0: welcome back into whisper in the wings we have another fantastic episode uh where we are venturing abroad but not too far abroad uh as our guests are actually coming to us this time joining us uh with theater companies all the way from the great isle of ireland we have zoe seaton who is the director of frankenstein's monster is drunk and the sheep have all jumped the fences which is being presented by big telly theater company Uh, And that's running January 11th through the 28th at 59E59 Theatres. And Jim Colleton, who is the director of the show Heaven, which is being presented by Fishamble, the new play company. And that's also at 59E59 Theatres from January 11th through the 29th. Zoe, Jim, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with me today. Welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper.
1: Thanks so much, Andrew. Delighted to be talking to you. Thanks for having us.
0: I am so excited. I mean, you've already made the great journey across the ocean to get here. And you've got these two amazing shows that are opening 59 E 59 for 2023. I'm so excited to be seeing them. Why don't you tell our guests a little bit about the shows? Zoe, why don't you go first with uh, Frankenstein? Why don't you tell us a bit about that?
2: Okay, thank you. Well, the short story with a long name uh, was a winner of the Moth short Story prize in two thousand and eighteen. And I came across it then and fell in love with it completely and emailed the writer and said, "Please can we do it?" And then that was our really first big show we've we've done since the pandemic, first live piece. Um, and the premise is that Frankenstein's monster, um has been uh frozen in a glacier for a hundred years and then um the local villagers see it thawing a bit and they dig him out and he becomes part of the community. So it's a really um surreal uh premise about how we live with monsters in our world, how we um is there life after damage? Um it's funny um, and it's kind of ridiculous, but it's also really, really heartwarming and optimistic. You know, it looks at like a little tiny village in Northern Ireland and what would happen if Frankenstein's monster turned up in the next mountain um, and he had to come part of the community. So um, yeah, it's fun. It's an ensemble piece Um, it's very theatrical. It's very storytelling, very playful.
0: Oh, that sounds so delightful. I can't wait. Jim, how about you? Why don't you tell us a little bit about Heaven?
1: Yeah, thanks so much, Andrew. So uh, Heaven is, um, I'm feeling like I'm I'm envious of the the great long title uh, of the Frankenstein play. We only have one word in our title. Uh, It's called Heaven. Um, And it's by an amazing writer called Eugene O'Brien, who's the winner of the Rooney Prize for Literature and is a really well-known screenwriter and um, playwright in Ireland. Um, and we're back, yeah. Like like Zoe, we're back in fifty nine. E fifty nine. We always love coming there. So we've we've come over with shows uh, from Ireland. This is our seventh time in fifty nine. E fifty nine, and our eighth time in the Irish and First Irish Festival and 15th show actually in New York in general all with Culture Ireland support so it's always lovely to be here and performing for audiences here who are so engaged in theatre and respond so well to the work. We're hoping they'll like this one as well. Um, Heaven is, I suppose it's about two people, a man, a, a woman who are married and they have a happy marriage but they also have a relationship with us, which has a lot of secrets, a lot of things they haven't told each other, um, a lot of kind of unspoken um, desires and feelings and thoughts and during this play they tell the audience what they can't tell each other. And I suppose you get to find out, I suppose, about their their search for heaven in a way, their search for happiness, whether their happiness is going to be uh, in, include each other or not. Kind of a it's been described as a midlife crisis in the midlands of Ireland. They're from a place called Offaly, um, right in the middle of Ireland. And I suppose they're yeah a couple in their 50s going through their, their own version of a midlife crisis. It's very, very funny and very moving. Um and we've had a great time touring it with great success all around Ireland and and hoping that people will, will enjoy it here as well and the two actors Janet Moran is um, she's super she's like, she's played Molly Bloom in the Ireland's National Theatre and lots of other uh, huge roles and Andrew Bennett's also amazing he was um, recently in, in he plays the main male character in on Colleen Kuhn The, uh, the Quiet Girl which um, it has been a very successful film uh, in the Irish language but also uh, in the States and all around the world so they're two super actors at the, the top of their game so um, we're looking forward to the, the run ahead.
0: I love that. So we've got two different shows that are kind of a comedy and, and more of a drama, which is great. I, I love it. Jim, sticking with you a little bit more about Heaven, um, what has it been like developing the show?
1: Oh, yeah, it's been great. So so um, Eugene, the, the playwright, Eugene O'Brien wrote a play called Eden that was turned into a film and a TV series about 20 years ago. And then he was swept up by the film world. and He's been writing um, screenplays all that time. And so I've been talking to Eugene for years about writing something for us. And I keep every time I would meet him, I'd say, oh, any chance of a little play, Eugene, at all? And he sent me um, a draft then a couple of years ago of heaven. And it just felt so true and so raw and so authentic and so funny. Uh, and so, uh, kind of, um, you know, kind of, you know, sort of uh, like daring, really, in terms of how honest and raw it is, uh, and very funny, and embarrassingly funny. Sometimes you kind of you really realize kind of some of the moments uh, in life and in relationships um, that, you know, that 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 make you kind of you know wince at what you did or said. It captures all all of that so beautifully, um, and is very moving, but very very funny as well. And I remember I just I just read it, and I laughed and I cried when I read it. And I just thought, oh gosh, we we absolutely need to do this. And I rang him up immediately and said, yeah. I'd We'd, we'd love to do it so it's great having having Eugene O'Brien back writing for theater and and having a play that that is that comes from the heart uh, and is and, and captures I think kind of you know hitting the middle of your life and just wondering what's ahead wondering is this it is there more uh, and and being happy but just maybe being a little bit discontented as well you know it it, it captures that really, really well? I think a, a lot of um, a lot of awkward phone calls in the car going home with couples uh, having seen the play <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and asking, asking difficult questions of each other, but also having a great night out and a great a great laugh. So, so it's been lovely developing. it. we've been, yeah, we kind of re- rehearsed there sort of around um, August September of last year, and then we had a run in the Dublin Theatre Festival that went very well, and then we toured all around Ireland, and and now we're, we're here in New York with it at Fifty Nine E Fifty
0: Nine. Fantastic. Zoe what about you 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 mentioned that this was this started as you reading a the short story version of Frankenstein and now you've developed this into a, a sh- uh, the full-on play what has it been like developing uh this show
2: yeah well I started um as most of our shows do with you know the story and a bunch of brilliant actors in a room and we started devising it we started playing with how to make it uh stop being a short story and start being a kind of immediate um, series of events. Um, we looked at the theatre of it, we looked at the relationship with the audience um, and yeah, we were, we played with it in a room and then we started rehearsing it in, in September and we opened in the Belfast Festival uh, in uh, October and then we took it to London and it went very well there. So this is our third outing for it. So yeah, it's exciting and it's, you know, we've done a lot of digital theatre during the pandemic, a lot of live um, digital theatre Um, and this is our first kind of piece back which is not doesn't have a digital Um, element so it's been fun for us and really interesting to re-explore that relationship with an audience um, where you're you know you're telling a story which has such heart and the characters in it have such um, they're all damaged. You know, we know it's been described as, you know, it was written about nothing to do with Ireland, but um, it is, uh, I think because we're a Northern Irish company, it's seen through the lens of post-conflict because it is about what do we do with the broken people? How do we all move on together? How liberal are we? Um, and yeah, so tremendous heart with it. And it's been um, really interesting to see how audiences in different places have really responded to that story and felt connections with the humanity of it.
0: Oh, wow. I, I love the evolution of that then. I, I want to stick with you for this next question, Zoe. Um, is there a message or thought that you're hoping audiences will leave after they see Frankenstein's monster is drunk and the sheep have all jumped the
2: fences? I mean I think people will I mean I think people enjoy it people feel like it's quite escapist it like takes you into another world um and so I think for that it's a kind of really uplifting people talk about the experience in terms of it being joyous and uplifting and optimistic um it's got sadness at its heart as well um you know Frankenstein's monster marries um a woman who's also an outsider within her community and um the, the two of them kind of navigate how to become accepted and what that looks like um and have their own personal tragedy we find out at the end that they've uh not been able to you know have a family and that that was that's kind of um marked their their lives so it cut you know audiences I think laugh all the way through and then at the end you know are you know very very moved by it because um like all great able to to turn on a kind of on a pin um was uh, you know while you're in the midst of laughing you're suddenly starting to cry so like you know it sounds like it has similarities with, with heaven in that sense that um the the emotion at the heart of it takes you by surprise and takes you along a journey
0: i love that that your show has this element of fantasy in it you know because we're dealing with monsters but it is so it deals with so much realism in it you know it has so much real world um, applications to it that that makes me so excited, you know, uh, about seeing this that that we're going to leave and it's yeah, not just gonna be like a fairy tale story, but you're going to be like, oh my gosh, that's so real.
2: No, I think it's that juxtaposition of fantasy and reality. So it's what would happen if Frankenstein's monster walked into your supermarket or your pub or your school.
0: Yeah, Jim, how about you in regards to heaven? Is there a message or a thought that you're hoping audiences take away from uh, the show?
1: yeah it's funny just listen to zoe there and as you said zoe you know in a way there are sort of some similarities i suppose you know in the way that it's about heaven is about about emotion it's about it's about laughing and crying and examining ourselves and how we fit in like it's i suppose that's what theater does isn't it so strongly is just develop that sense of empathy in an audience and and draw the audience into people's lives and dilemmas and we see ourselves in that dilemma and, and 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 hopefully you leave after you know 85 minutes or 90 minutes or whatever it is and and see the world slightly differently you know I think heaven asks a lot of questions about what happiness is what heaven means for people what you wish for reaching your 50s and maybe what you wished for when you were 30 has happened or hasn't happened and what you do about that and and what you you know and and and, and if your happiness is dependent on other people or if, if if you being happy is going to upset someone else that you might love like it asks all those kinds of questions um in a way that is is, is absolutely kind of about what, what theatre does it's kind of it draws you into to to people's you, uh their dilemmas people who are in love but also so there's something missing in their life um and it does it with kind of, you know, openness and and humour and pathos and and just uh, and 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 I, I think it's a play where people have seen it so far that they say they keep they keep thinking of it. They keep remembering lines from it, like chuckling at certain lines or or thinking about issues that it raised afterwards, like even w- days or weeks after seeing it, that it stays with them in that way. So I think that's what I'd hope for audiences that that you that that. That you might just look at things a little bit differently or when you see a married couple like Mairead and Mal, the two characters in the play, that, that you just, that, that, that you think like what's, some, what's sometimes under the surface that you don't know but that, that the power of theatre and the play can, can draw you into and, and, and help you see the world, uh, yeah, slightly differently and, and have, a, have a great night out and, and lots of laughter but also just, uh, just shift your perspective on what it means, I suppose, to be happy and, 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 and that search for happiness in the middle of your life.
0: Oh wow! Okay, okay, Zoe. I want to come back to you now with this next question. Um, who do you hope have access to Frankenstein?
2: I mean, I think it genuinely is a piece for everyone. Um, and it feel you know we've my my daughter is uh, early twenties, and when we played London, she brought a whole squad of her friends. None of whom are theatre goers, and mm-hmm. they were just like we are going to sign up and go to the theatre every week. <laughs> <And> she was <laughs> that's, that's a bit far, but um, yeah. I mean, I really think it's got a really broad appeal. Frankenstein's got a lot of people um interested in it because they're interested in film and film noir, and it certainly kind of draws from that. Um, but um, yeah, I think it very very much is is a, is a play for everything. I think because it because of the humanity at the heart of it, and because it it's about being in very real situations like you know the pub when the monster comes in and how you're going to negotiate that um, yeah I think it is for everyone everyone can have access to theatre, I want theatre to be you know the reason why we're called Big Telly is because I wanted our, our work to feel like it was as easy to to be part of as as turning on the telly um, so that's kind of written through through the company like a stick of rock really
0: I love that I, and I I really appreciate to tie back to your your production company and why you're called that that's fantastic. Jim how about you who do you hope have access to heaven?
1: Yeah, I suppose like Zoe really I mean we like to feel that our work is accessible to everyone who wants to engage in in theater in 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 storytelling in in the human condition. I suppose you know Irish Theater is known internationally uh, as a uh, for its great storytelling um, capabilities, you know, and 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 that's kind of I suppose people get to know Ireland through culture a lot through our music and dance and, and storytelling and all the different art forms and this play I suppose is written by a master storyteller and performed by two really um, you know fantastic actors it's written in monologue form so the language is, is rich and vivid and funny mm-hmm. and, and so, so, so it is kind of a, I suppose a, 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 a sort of a, a story celebrates the kind of that, that, um, that Irish storytelling tradition uh, so people who, who enjoy that would really, really love it. But like Zoe, you know, what we kind of thought, oh, well, people who are in their midlife, you know, maybe 40s, 50s, 60s, you know, any of that age will, will might have experienced this and might know what it's like to be in a long-term relationship or to be kind of wondering what else is out there and to be wondering what about roads not taken and what other paths might be, might have been available. Maybe people, they, those people will connect to it. And that certainly has been the case. And people, at, you know, in the in the middle of their life or people who've been in long-term relationships, certainly it strikes a real chord with those people. But then lots of young people and you know who haven't been in long-term relationships, you know, uh, have also loved it and come it and, and really found it, you know, really enjoyable and opened up all kinds of uh, ways of looking at life that they hadn't thought of before. So we hope it'll be something for everyone, although it particularly strikes a chord with anyone who's been in um, if in a in a in a relationship for a while.
0: <laughs> you know, it'd be really interesting to to uh, grab a drink after the show. with, like different pools of people you know 20 30 year olds and then 40 and 50 year olds and see what they both got out of your guys' shows you know and see you know how was so they the do with the monster or what were their what was their experience with the secrets revealed you know just to see their different yeah. perspective. yeah how it comes so what comes out of they- it we had
1: a few groups of young people come to see it in the Dublin Theatre Festival and they just felt that it was that they really appreciated just the kind of the rawness, the honesty um, the the humanity, the emotion of something that was just that drew you in and, and, and at the end of after an hour and a half you had no idea that the time was gone, that you just are totally sucked into the stories of these people, the fascinating stories of ordinary people but kind of you know that, that everyone's life is Ordinary but extraordinary at the same time. So, um, so we kind of, yeah, there's a real kind of, there, there was a real wave of kind of, 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 positivity towards it from kind of audiences that were much younger than people we that were our target audience in a way, which was very reassuring. <laughs>
0: the listeners a opportunity to get to know the two of you a little bit more um and i want to start by asking you two what shows playwrights or composers in the past have inspired you and jim if it's all right i'd like to start with you on that question
1: yeah thanks so much andrew um i suppose uh, you know you uh, as a theater director and when you're working on plays you're inspired by so many people really by so many um you know, writers and other artists, and I suppose you know, as we mentioned there earlier a little bit, I suppose you know, it, it, being from Ireland, you come from a kind of a nation of amazing storytellers and people who are uh, extraordinary, um, um, master storytellers in a way, you know, and so certainly like you know people like you know the playwrights like Brian Freel and Tom Murphy mm-hmm. and, you know, and and growing up and seeing those kinds of plays uh, had a huge. Um, a huge appeal, and then more recently, you got kind of you know, the writers like you know Connor McPherson and Martin McDonough and Marina Carr and people that have been really kind of making a, a mark. And and so and 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 Fishamble is a, a, we're called the new play company. We just commission new plays. We never produce anything that has been done before. So I suppose I'm also inspired by writers all the time with kind of a unique vision of the world and writing plays from their own perspective that that an audience has never seen before. I kind of love the thrill of an audience. Engaging with a new way of looking at the world, Um, and so you know, it's it's um it's it's great like that 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 every play we do is kind of is new in Fishamble and has never been done before is a kind of is a great inspiration. We're working at the moment on a project with the Irish Repertory Theatre in New York. In fact, it's a a collaboration called Transatlantic Commissions, and we've jointly commissioned uh, four Black Irish artists and writers of color uh, to look at kind of the voice of largely underrepresented writers in Ireland. And we'll be there'll be more details of that coming up, but we're hoping to share those with audiences um sort of in uh, march uh, of this year uh, both in new york and in dublin and so you're, you're working with writers that uh, are some, some of those writers are writing for the first time for theater you know and, and 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 have something to say and often something to say that has never been heard before so that's kind of really that's what really inspires me i suppose um, about working in Fishamble and working with new plays all the time and working with writers to to bring an audience on a journey with a writer, looking at something and, and that, that just does shift your mind, That sense of leaving the theatre and seeing the world a little bit differently, um, you know, is is. Uh, and I'm I'm sitting here at the moment in um, just had a tour of the stunning new Irish Art Center um, over on 11th Street, um, and we're uh, and we're remembering kind of a number of plays by Pat Kinnevan that we've produced here in New York at the Irish Art Center. An amazing writer and performer as well. Um, that is very a very inspirational person and we've had great joy in fish i suppose kind of working with a lot of writers who are also uh, performers of their own work um and just sharing that passion on stage and, and 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 just kind of i suppose connecting with an audience in a way that is that is immediate and live and that theater does so well that's that's a really i suppose inspirational kind of um uh, source of inspiration for me as well in, in the way we work oh wonderful
0: I, and, and you you named some brilliant names in that group. Uh, we're a huge Connor McPherson and Martin McDonnell fans here. Uh, we actually recently did an episode covering the cripple of Inishman, um, where I said, a young me did not quite understand when I first went. I was like, what is this? This is so depressing, but a little bit humorous. Like, should we laugh? And then I was like, no, 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 no. It's okay. I think this is supposed to be like an Irish comedy, like a dark comedy. It's okay. And I was like, I was just too young to grasp the beauty of the language, you know, just the beauty of the words, the poetry of the words. And, you know, flash forward 12 years later when we were here, uh, a a theater was doing Connor McPherson's Shining City and it was just so, so brilliant. Like I was just gripped. It was just a lot of sitting and talking the whole time, but then it was just a slow burn until the end. And then I was like, (laughs) what, you can't (laughs) leave me there. You can't do it, <laughs> you know. So I think I... I think I think a lot of yeah. I think a
1: lot of talking and you know telling stories and uh, very dark and very funny it describes a lot of uh, a lot of Irish theatre in a way. <laughs> I mean, it's right back. And I mean, like another. I, I mean, obviously an inspirational person. Kind of you know when you think about kind of the major canon of Irish work is Samuel Beckett famously yes. talking about laughter astride the grave. You know what I mean? That you're sitting beside the grave and you're laughing away like that. That 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 way in which laughter and 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 comedy and tragedy are so close and the, the kind of the the the, the, the you know, there's a there's a thin line between the two sometimes and if you if you don't laugh you might end up crying. I mean I think I think a lot of kind of um, Irish writers, especially you think of people like Beckett kinda of capture that so well. And that's that's a trait perhaps that's 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 uh, through a lot of Irish work even still and I love that mixture I love I love the fact that an audience is laughing one moment and then feeling bad for laughing or feeling sad yeah. and then the sadness is dispelled with something that's funny and maybe it's a bit inappropriately funny uh, in that moment but you know that because because life is like that and things are you know take yes. a surprise all the time and, I, and, that's, and that's kind of exciting work to do and to work on and to be in a, a room with a live audience experiencing it as well.
0: Now, Zoe, uh, I want to ask you the same question: What uh, playwrights, composers, works have inspired you in the past?
2: A writer that Jim has mentioned, who's not incredible, so I'm not going to repeat um, any of those people. But they are obviously all inspirational. So what I would add to that is that I'm excited about. Um, I I, I work a lot with um with with prose writers as well as playwrights. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm inspired by people like Gabriel Garcia Marquez, by um, uh, Jan. In Belva, by magical realism, uh, by those kind of writers who are writing something which uh, may have a suggestion of, of um, quite often, I think short story writers because they're deliberately not writing for the stage sometimes Create, create pieces which have extraordinary challenge within them and I, I like those challenges like um, Owen Booth's story which we've adapted you know if he had written that thinking a theatre company would do it he would have left out half of it because it's unstageable um, but for me I'm interested in translating it into theatre I'm interested in how we dig a monster out of a out of a mountain out of a glacier and how we melt a glacier on stage all of those things become interesting theatrical challenges to me Um, so yes I, I'm often drawn on towards short story writers. I'm also really interested in dance. I'm a big fan of Hoffa Schechter. Um, their work just completely blows my mind. Um, there would be the work I've seen most recently, I think, which so we have quite a lot of movement in this piece, and I think you can definitely see those kind of inspirations. Um, and also um, gaming and digital, um, like immersive experiences like Punch Drunk, but also like Blast Theory, um, like. Um, we were working with some game designers on live digital experiences based in Mozilla Hubs. So I think I'm, uh, we take um, inspiration from a very, very eclectic, um, eclectic range of kind of influences um, and are always looking towards what's the audience experience? What's their live relevance within that, that um, moment? Um, yeah, and, and that's our constant question.
0: That gaming uh, element that it, that inspires you that you work with is really piqued my interest. But that's a really fascinating. I've never heard that mentioned on this show before, so I'm very fascinated by that. Uh, I also love that you 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 are passionate about short stories because I've I can't tell you how many times I've been on the subway and I've been reading something and I'm like, this would make such a good play. You know what I mean? Like, why hasn't someone turned this into something? You know? So I love that. I'm going to have to hit you up for more about this gaming part though. That's, I'm really intrigued by that.
2: (laughs) So, so we would make a lot of games. So Bitelli uh, makes a lot of um, games and sometimes a game is you know uh, a multi-site immersive experience where an audience go on a journey and they get messages and they are undercover and they have buildings to break into and uh, they become part of a narrative um, in small groups so we've been making those kind of live games for years and we've made digital versions which are controlled by apps Um, and I guess there's a there's a sweet spot in between where that kind of uh, site-specific work meets theatre Um, now I don't think Frankenstein's monster isn't in that genre so much, but um, that's where our work has been recently. is very much tied up with uh, with live gaming and uh, the you know the connection with. Um, so during the pandemic, we made seventeen digital productions and reached an audience of twelve thousand across the world, and it was a massive kind of detour for us, but a joyous detour into uh, different collaborators. And now we're collaborating with people who are very interested in you know real time gaming in the real world and how that might influence um theater so um, i'm interested in audience as player and as engaged participant and where that's going to go in the future
0: that is amazing oh my gosh i have to check this out this is incredible i
2: want to ask the two
0: of you have either of you seen uh any great theater lately that you might be able to recommend to our listeners uh, Jim, why don't I start with you on that? Anything you might be able to recommend to our listeners? Um, well,
1: i i haven't um, I haven't seen much in New York, um, but certainly in uh, in Dublin there are some great shows running at the moment. Um, there's um, yeah, if people are in 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 Ireland at the moment, um, Piaf at the Gate about the life of Edith Piaf uh, is super, and the Weir Conor McPherson we mentioned earlier um, running at the Abbey was is great. Um, I think if if, if people are listening, interested in more audio things, we had two plays here um, in uh, 59 and 59 as well by Sebastian Barry a couple of years ago, one called The Pride of Pernell Street and one called On Blueberry Hill. We've we've recorded On Blueberry Hill for Audible and On Blueberry Hill we did for the BBC, um, for BBC Radio 3. They're available online if people are interested in listening to some uh, other Fish Ample productions um, that, that had runs here in New York as well. Um, I'm trying to think what else is... Uh, is good. I'm looking forward to going down to see some of the work in Under the Radar Festival here in New York while I'm here as well. Um, you know, lots of things happening in, in New York, obviously, all the time.
0: Zoe, how about you? Anything you might be able to recommend?
2: Yeah, I know I'm not sure what's going to be here that I've seen. I mean, I would definitely say cross the cross the time to see Hoffa Schechter when the next time they're playing New York. Um, and yes, like Mick, I'm interested in seeing under the radar. I want to see the new complicity show. Uh, drive, drive over the plows of dead people. Drive your plow over the bones of dead people. Um, and uh, ocean at the end of the lane, the Neil Gaiman adaptation. So I'm excited about those kind of shows. Oh, well,
0: I'm going to have to check these out. I wasn't even aware of uh, a couple of those titles. Zoe, I want to start with you on this next question. Uh, what is your favorite part about working in the theater?
2: Um, I like theatre because I like the speed of it. Um, I like the fact that um, it's best and it's current and it's live and uh, it's about a, a real life relationships with an audience. Um, yeah, I like journeys within theatre. I mean, most of most of our work is site specific and involves an audience navigating a space, um, and um, going on a journey within that space. Where I'm interested in that, but yeah, for me, it's the speed of it and the fact that it's current and it's live and it's present, and um, and it's thrilling. I think.
0: Absolutely, there's nothing like the rush of doing theatre. Jim, how about you? What is your favorite part about working in the theatre?
1: Yeah, I think we, I mean, yourself and Zoe have captured it really well there. I mean, it's, it's that it is the the you know the immediacy of it. I suppose just that sense, isn't it? It's, it's just an extraordinary feeling that you're in a room full of strangers, and you've paid your money before you know what you're going to get, and the lights go down, and you're sitting in the dark, and you like the audience and the performers all come together to 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 create something together and to believe in 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 a, in, in a world and you know and, and like Zoe said you know you can like sometimes if writers you know sometimes people send us plays you know and say oh it's all set in one room so it'll be easier to do we go no theater can be set anywhere like if, you know you can say I'm an actor can say here I am standing on Mars and an audience will go yeah great you're on Mars you know we we all join together to use our imagination to make that happen and there's a real magic in that I suppose it's the I suppose in theater it's just it's just yeah, breathing the same air, being in the same room, the fact that it's that the performance is totally influenced by the audience and it'll never be the same twice. Um, that you know that that that, that, that people have a, Hopefully, if it's good, a, a transformative experience together at a play is really is uh, is is the remarkable thing about it. You know, um, and that it's that it's live and that it's spontaneous as well, and that it can bring you inside the shoes of other people in a way that no other art form I think can. You know, we don't we we don't do a huge amount of site specific work, unlike big telly. Um, but we have over the last decade, it's been a big decade in Ireland for remembering the events of 100 years ago, you know, our Easter Rising, the Revolution, our War of Independence, the Civil War, um, a number of key sort of events. And we've been creating theatrical presentations as part of the decade of centenaries in Ireland that have been set 100 years ago, but all about really examining who we were in order to understand who we are now and what the possibilities for the future are and the sense of being brought back in time to kind of experience that and to kind of go behind the history books and the official versions of things to sort of dramatically to in the way that theatre can to engage with how those famous people in Irish history were actually thinking and what happens if they if they haven't slept for seven days in the middle of the Easter Rising what does that do to you you know just just the human element of uh, the the, the human yeah the human condition and the human element of of some of those well-known events has been really rewarding for us to be doing over the last while and and theatre just does that so well doesn't it that's what I love about working on it and just working with such a huge big team of people that you're work with designers and stage managers and production managers and producers and as well as writers and actors you know that it's a it's a big combined effort of people bringing their their talents together is a very a very exciting way to work you know
0: yes yes cannot agree more with with that it's i love working with the big team it just feels i love seeing the number of people that can accomplish such a, a unified task you know is amazing Now we've arrived at my favorite question and I'm very excited to hear what your guys's answer is. So Jim, I'm going to start with you on this one. What is your favorite theater memory? Oh
1: gosh. (laughs) Oh dear. My favorite memory. Um, Oh, gosh, there are so, 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 um, so many great memories, like, like we were talking about in a way, all those moments of, of hushed anticipation when the lights go down and you're, you're sitting in the theatre, you know, is, is just extraordinary. I think sometimes because we don't, you know, we don't have a theatre space at Fishamble, um, we're a company in an off to, and we move around a lot um you know we're, we're called after a street in dublin called fishamble street which is where in 1742 Handel's messiah was first performed but it also in the 1700s was the first place to perform plays by irish writers all the other theaters brought plays in from london writers and because we're a uh, kind of a new play company um, producing plays by irish people and people living in ireland and um, we're named in honor of that and they had a, so back in the 1700s fishamble Music hall and theater was a venue. We don't have a venue now in Fishamble. We're just in an office, but it means we we tour um before the pandemic and now since the pandemic again we tour to over fifty theaters. Around Ireland, we've toured to uh, twenty countries outside Ireland. So we're very agile, and we move around a lot. And I suppose my some of my favorite memories are to do with that about being bringing bringing your work somewhere else in a way that really engages with people. So people you know don't have to come to you; you can come to them. There's a a great festival in Ireland called the West Cork Fit Up Festival, and fit ups are like these um, old kind of you know um, theatrical troops who would kind of arrive in a town, set up their um, they're stalled, literally, I suppose, you know, uh, get into the theatre, do a play that night, tear, take it all down and move on to the next place the next day. So real kind of hardcore touring, kind of, you know, one night stand kind of stuff. Um and so you you go down to the to West Cork in this most beautiful part of Ireland, and you're performing on Shirkin Island or you know one of these kind of like you know kind of places kind of in, in this stunning scenery. And I remember the one time, my favorite memory was the audience bringing all the pews from the church into the hall next door where we were doing the play. They knew the pews were hard, so they brought their own cushions from home. They brought their bottles of wine. They sat and watched the play, and then we got on the boat and sailed back to the mainland after the show. And they all waved us off um, from the from the from the, the side of the of the water, like really, really, really beautiful. And feeling that you're kind of you know that 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 you're bringing works. The whole the whole island turned up. Like I mean, if there was a play on, everyone just went there because that was the thing that was happening in this place where plays didn't happen much. And so when you feel you've made a, a connection with an audience or you've, you know, you've you've brought the work somewhere in a way that it really resonates with people, uh, that's, that those, those are kind of the best memories I have really,
0: I suppose. Oh, that's, thank you for sharing that. That's fantastic. On, this, on, a,
1: slightly, on a slightly different note, a, a great memory is we, we won an Olivier Award a few years ago for a play called Silent by Pat Kinnevin. And we were there uh, in London and literally like taking selfies of ourselves with, you know, Shirley Bassey and Eddie Izzard and, um, you know, the, um, uh mark rylance and various people behind us and judy dench and uh and then when we won the award all those people knew who we were and came up and said hi <laughs> well done <laughs> so that was kind wow. of that was a, uh, <laughs> but, we, but most but that was i mean yeah we don't spend much of the time on the red carpet so those memories are very few and far between but it was a nice one anyway
2: <laughs> that's amazing
0: oh my gosh that's incredible we'll have to now google to see all those pictures <laughs> yeah <laughs> Zoe, I'm very anxious to hear your favourite theatre memory.
2: Um, okay, so my favourite theatre memory, I think in terms of other thing, moments where my mind has been blown, uh, as when I came to New York in the 90s and saw uh, the Blue Man Group when, when they just started out really, really early on and it was in a tiny little theatre uh, mm-hmm. in New York and I was just like holy God, I had no idea you could do these things um so yeah that was that blew my mind um, my favorite one of ours is we tour, we uh, made a site specific show called the little mermaid which is in swimming pools and we did it and we said this is not a touring show we said we'll do it in three different patients in ireland but it is obviously not a touring show all of the crew were commercial divers and um, all of the backstage stuff was under the water they were releasing dry ice we blacked out the swimming pools from outside it was a ridiculous scale, and then our first show there were teen international promoters, seven of whom booked the show to tour. Yeah, they all booked the show, so they said yes. It's coming to Taiwan. It's coming to Denmark. It's coming to Serbia. Um, and the show was booked immediately, even though we would no clue how to tour 20 people, six of whom were commercial divers, most of whom were had prison records and couldn't get past so it was a um, exciting event. but I think my favourite moment of it was when I came out of the show in uh, Coleraine uh, which is where we're based and um, I heard these kids a very um, heated argument about how we got the mermaids to Coleraine and some were saying no, they came up the river and then they were netted and then brought over in a tank lot of people were saying Laurie's full of water and it was the fact that these, these kids were just completely arguing about how these mermaids got there. And um, yeah, that sense of, and we talk about, uh, Big Telly, we talk about hijacking the familiar a lot. Um, and I'm excited about what happens if you go back to that swimming pool a week later and you go, oh, my goodness, last week there we were mermaids here. Um, and that kind of makes my heart sing that, you know, with site-specific work is, I'm less interested in the huge old warehouses you know they're also exciting, but I'm more into if you can um have an experience at a post office, which changes how you will ever enter another post office again. That makes my heart's. I mean, I wait. So, were wh- were you watching the
0: pool through like glass, like if you were like at a zoo and you were seeing the underwater, or were you like putting it on in a pool and people could see, uh, you know, from outside into the water?
2: So people were sitting. So because we toured at so many places, the audience were sitting on pool, on the poolside. Um, and they got you got splash seats and they got um, special kind of uh, you know waterproofs because you could get splash so all of the mermaids were wore um monofins so they could splash the water and so we were had to develop I mean, there wasn't any words in it but we had to develop a whole new language about what the mermaids do when they're happy, when they're happy how do they oh, how do they move um and yeah I mean it was, it was um, a, a, a challenge. You know, we had all the actors were athletes, but they were actors and they were using expressive movement and using the water as a, as a language. Um, yeah, and, and it was something I'll, I'll never forget, I think. We toured for, for two years and was seen by 30,000 people across the world. So it was, but it, and it was never easy. It was constantly um, an absolute nightmare. <laughs> but still, it sounds incredible. What an experience.
0: I mean, that is amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Wow. That's why that's my favorite question. Is you always like nobody has like on small with that. You always feel like these grand, incredible memories. So both of you, thank you so much for those.
1: Oh no, not at all. And I think it's it's kind of like Zoe said there as well, it's seeing things differently and and, and see and 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 going back a week later and feeling, oh, I you know I I see this place differently because of what I experienced at that play. There, there are great memories in that. One of the plays we did, it was just reminding me over there as well when Zoe was saying that uh, about the Mermaid Show, it was um, one of the plays we did that was a historical play was in the General Post Office where the Easter Rising, our, our revolution happened in 1916. And the, the play began with the audience being asked to stand for the National Anthem. And of course, a hundred years previously, the National Anthem was the British National Anthem. So on the centenary of the Rising, one of the most important moments in terms of our fight for Irish independence from the British Empire we uh, all stand up, and the cast sings "God Save the King," um, you know, on this very kind of um, kind of you know momentous and uh, Easter week in tw- in 2016. Now the audience found it uncomfortable and, and funny and provocative and some of the actors were you know had mixed feelings about singing the song and they were thinking oh my god if my grandfather who died for Irish freedom could see me singing the British national anthem in the GPO uh, he would burn his grave and then people on O'Connell Street walking past outside who didn't know there was a play on necessarily heard people singing the British National Anthem on the centenary of the rising and it was really like it was kind of electric every night we had we had bomb threats we had the police um, diving in the sewers underneath the general was looking for bombs like it was it was a kind of highly fraught um, provocative kind of moment and, and I just loved the fact that it was that, that theatre you know you hear of kind of those early plays in the Abbey Theatre of Sean O'Casey and John Millington saying where the audience rioted you know and, and were appalled at what was going on and stormed out and I, I wonder sometimes does theatre have the power to be provocative and to you know to, uh, uh, as much anymore but it kind of felt in moments like that you feel oh gosh no this is this has power to really get people's emotions running high and to spark a, a debate and a discussion in a very visceral way that maybe you know is, is, is possibly unique to theatre and to live performing arts. Yeah.
0: Are there any other productions or projects that you or your theater companies have coming on the pipeline that we might be able to plug? Zoe, why don't I start with you with that? And the um excuse me, the big tele theater company?
2: We've got um a few things in the pipeline, Andrew, but nothing. It dates yet but we're making the piece called Granny Jackson's Dead which is about uh, how in the future we'll remember the past and it's a wake that the audience come to where they discover that Granny Jackson has been memorialised through uh, VR experiences, through computer games um, through different things so it looks is AI uh, what happens if you can um when you go to the supermarket if you have a chip in your hand so that the 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 name on the till that speaks to you is a is a relative, um, is somebody you know. So it kind of looks at tech. Um, and that's happening at the end of this year at the start of next, Granny Jackson's dead. So yeah, that's, again, it's you know, it's a, a site specific experience but also it, it uses tech and looks at how comfortable we are with digital memorialization um, and how we're gonna deal with that. I came across this couple whose little boy had died and they made video clips of him into a video game because they felt that they wanted lots and lots of people to uh, to play with him. Um, and it, it's an extraordinary concept to think about that, I think, and to think about how, how comfortable we are with, with AI and digitization and all of that. So that puts that into quite a domestic context, and that's happening at the end of this year starting next.
0: Awesome. Jim, how about you? Uh, what about for you and the Fishamble, the new play company?
1: Yeah,
2: sure, Andrew. So, I mean,
1: when um, we're, we're running heaven until the 29th of January, obviously here in New York. And then over the next few months, we have a few other productions on tour that people might be able to catch. Um, we go into rehearsals with King by Pat Kinnevan which will be touring all around Ireland in February, March and April but then touring internationally later in the year and next year that's a play about a man called Luther who's born on the day that Dr Martin Luther King Jr is assassinated he's named after him and it's about freedom and about living your fullest life and it's about prejudice and he also um, doesn't like to leave his apartment and just leaves to perform as an Elvis impersonator so it's called King for a number of reasons Um, and that's that's Pat Kinnaman, who's whose um, plays have been here at the Irish Art Centre in New York. And they've been in the Odyssey Theatre in Los Angeles. They've toured all over the world. So we're looking forward to a new fifth solo play by him. We have another solo play by Eva O'Connor called Mustard, which won a Fringe First Award in Edinburgh. And that's going to be at the Adelaide Fringe Festival. So if any of your listeners are uh, in Australia and uh, they can head down there in February and March. And um, we have a play by Margaret McAuliffe called The Humours of Bandon, which was here in New York at the Irish Arts Center um, that's a she's a world champion Irish dancer and she's done a play all about um, wanting nothing more than to be a world Irish champion uh, world class uh, Irish champion dancer but when your your dream comes true maybe it doesn't bring everything that you hoped it would do but well, that's a fantastic play with some brilliant Irish dancing in it it's doing a major coast to coast north american tour um, in april may and june over eight weeks. Uh, and then we'll have our Transatlantic Commission um, project as well with four Black Irish artists and artists of colour. We've got plays by Kwaku Fortune, Jade Jordan, Feli Speaks and C.N. Smith uh, all being mentored by the great Dale Orlando Smith. And They'll be at the Irish Repertory Theatre in uh, late March and elsewhere in the States as well and also in Dublin as part of the St. Patrick's Festival in March. So uh, we have a few things to look out for if people are following us and all the details are on uh, fishamble.com if people want any more information about that.
0: And what a great lead into my final question, which is, um, if our listeners want more information about uh, your shows or about you, either of you, or they want to reach out to you, what's the best way to do it? And Jim, I'll start with you first. And you mentioned uh, fishambletheatre.com. Was that right?
1: Yes, exactly. I was shamelessly giving ourselves a plug there before you even asked the question, Andrew, <laughs> but thank you for, for giving us the chance to do that. So, um, yeah, uh, www.fishamble.com, that's F-I-S-H-A-M-B-L-E.com, has all the details and obviously details of heaven are also on the Origin First Irish Theatre Festival and 59E59 uh, website, but the fishamble.com has details of everything else if people want to look that up.
0: Perfect. And then Zoe, how about you? If our listeners want more information about Frankenstein or they want to contact you, what's the best way to do that? Or about, I should say, or about Big Telly Theatre Company as well.
2: Yeah, so our website is um, big-telly.com. And we're also launching a virtual venue in the new year called Brick Moon, which is uh, brick-moon.com so uh two two ways together it's big telly big dash telly.com is the best way um but also look out for brick moon perfect
0: well jim zoe thank you so much for making the time to speak with me today it has been amazing to talk with you i can't wait to see your shows i can't wait to see the future projects that you have coming you're both incredible the works you're doing are incredible so thank you so much for for speaking with us today Well, thank you so much, Andrew. It was a real pleasure. Thanks for having us.
2: Yes, thank you, Andrew. It was great.
0: My guests today have been the directors Zoe Seaton and Jim Colton. Uh, Zoe, who is the director of Big Tele Theatre Company's production, Frankenstein's Monster is Drunk and the Sheep Have All Jumped the Fences, playing January 11th through the 28th. And Jim Colton, the director of Fishamble, the new play company production's heaven which is playing january 11th through the 29th uh both shows are being done at 59 e59 theaters you can get tickets and more information at 59e59.org and also make sure to check out their websites fishamble.com and big-telly.com these are two shows you don't want to miss We are going to them. We will be sharing with you when we're going. So make sure you get your tickets now. Make sure you go to let us know when you're going and enjoy the show. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies,
2: and keep your masks on. And keep talking about the theater.
0: In
1: a stage whisper.
2: Thank
0: you.